Free love. Because revolutionary anarchists of all types have recognized the freedom of every individual to determine how they will live on their own terms to be a central aim of anti-authoritarian revolution, we have spoken more often and with more courage of the transformation of personal life that must be part of any real revolution. Thus, questions of love and erotic desire have been openly discussed in anarchist circles from very early on. Anarchists were among the first advocates of free love, recognizing in marriage and the absurd sexual restrictions imposed by religious morality ways in which submission to authority was imposed. Women such as Emma Goldman and Voltairine de Clare recognized in puritanical morality one of the greatest enemies to the liberation of women in particular, as well as humanity in general. But the free love advocated by anarchists should not be confused with the tawdry hedonism advocated by Playboy and other promoters of commodified sexual liberation. This latter is merely a reaction to puritanism from within the present social context. Its continued adherence to the logic of submission is evident in its commodification and objectification of sex, its dismissive attitude toward passionate love because it can't be quantified and priced, and its tendency to judge people based on sexual willingness, performance, and conquest. Love and erotic desire, freed from the logic of submission, clearly lies elsewhere. The struggle against the logic of submission begins with the struggle of individuals to create the lives and relations they desire. In this context, free love means precisely the freedom of each individual's erotic desires from the social and moral restrictions that channel them into a few specific forms useful to society, so that each may create the way she loves as he sees fit in relation to those she may love. Such a liberation opens the way for an apparently infinite variety of possible loving and erotic relations. Most people would only want to explore a few of these, but the point of such liberation is not that one must explore as many forms of erotic desire as possible, but that one has the possibility to really choose and create ways of loving that bring one joy, that expand one's life, and guides one to an ever-increasing intensity of living and of revolt. One of the most significant obstacles presently facing us in this area is pity for weakness and neurosis. There are individuals who know clearly what they desire in each potential loving encounter, People who can act and respond with a projectual clarity that only those who have made their passions and desires their own can have. But when these individuals act on their desires, if another who is less sure of themselves is unnerved or has their feelings hurt, they are expected to change their behavior to accommodate the weakness of this person. Thus the strong-willed individual who has grasped the substance of free love and begun to live it often finds herself suppressed or ostracized by supposed comrades. If our aims are indeed liberation and the destruction of the logic of submission in all areas of life, then we cannot give in to this. The point is to transform ourselves into strong, daring, self-willed, passionate rebels, and thus also into strong, daring, self-willed, passionate lovers. And this requires acting without guilt, regret, or pity. This self-transformation is an essential aspect of the revolutionary transformation of the world, and we cannot let it get sidetracked by a pity that degrades both the one who pities and the one who is pitied. Compassion, that feeling with another because one recognizes one's own condition and theirs, can be a beautiful and revolutionary feeling. But pity, which looks down at another's misery and offers charity and self-sacrifice, is worthless for creating a world of strong individuals who can live and love as they choose. But an even greater impediment to a real practice of free love and the open exploration of the varieties of possible relationships is that most people, even most anarchists, have so little greed for, and therefore so little generosity with, 
passion, intensity of feeling, love, joy, hatred, anguish, all the flaming pangs of real living. To truly allow the expansiveness of passionate intensity to flower and to pursue it where the twisting vine of desire takes it. This exploration requires will, strength, courage, but mainly it requires breaking out of the economic view of passions and emotions. It is only in the realm of economy, of goods for sale, that greed and generosity contradict each other. In the realm of uncommodified feelings, passions, desires, ideas, thoughts, and dreams, greed and generosity go hand in hand. The more one wants of these things, the more expansive one must be in sharing them. The more generous one is with them, the more one will have. It is the nature of these things to be expansive, to seek to broaden all horizons, to take more and more of reality into themselves and to transform it. But this expansiveness is not indiscriminate. Love and erotic desires can manifest expansively in many different ways, and the individuals choose the ways and the individuals with whom they wish to explore them. It makes no sense, however, to make these decisions based on an imagined dearth of something that is, in fact, potentially beyond measure. Rather, such decisions are best based on desire for those to whom one chooses to relate and the potential one perceives in them to make the fires of passion burn ever more brightly. The mechanics of erotic desire, homosexuality, heterosexuality, bisexuality, monogamy, non-monogamy, etc., are not the substance of free love. It can manifest in all of these forms and more. Its substance is found in those who can choose to expand themselves, to guide themselves to expand their passions, dreams, desires, and thoughts. Free love, like revolution, acts to recreate reality in its own image, the image of a great and dangerous utopia. Thus, it seeks to turn reality on its head. This is no easy path. It has no place for our weaknesses, no time for neurotic self-pity or meagerness. For love, in its most impassioned and unconstrained forms, is as cruel as revolution. How could it be otherwise when its goal is the same, the transformation of every aspect of life and the destruction of all that opposes it?